Kia This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Wellington. Oh my goodness, that music does something to me, Sadie. Does it do anything to you? I panic a little bit about which buttons I have to push. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to push the buttons. You're Today, pushing so, the buttons. Yeah, so you can Lurry have a relax. The there you go. <laughs> uh, kia ora Wellington. Welcome to B-Side Stories on Access Radio 106.1 FM. How are you doing out there, everybody? Nice day, wasn't it? Beautiful day. Help. Well, it did. It did um, tune into a beautiful day, Sadie, didn't it? Yeah, I love those winter days. It's not actually even winter, is it? But I'm prepared. Good on <laughs> Mentally, you. Mentally, good emotionally on you. Prepared. I don't know if I can. I can join you on the loving the cool days, but you know, I'll, I'll run with anything. Sun. Yeah, yeah, sunny's good. Um, and what about your week? Has anything struck up with you, or anything coming up that you're interested in? Hmm. I went to see. Um, a friend's band, or actually a bunch of friends' band, um, called Cosmonaut at Moon the other day. That was good. I'm impressed. <laughs> good on you. I hobbled out on my stick yeah. since I'm a bit sore at the moment and <laughs> plonked myself down in a comfortable spot. That's no, always good. Awesome. If you can, get some music, eh? Yeah. Music's I, always good. I hear you. I hear you with the music. It's a biggie. Yeah. How about you? What have you been up to? Oh, I got down to the sounds over school holes, but actually I'm pretty excited about May and with Make a Meal in May, we've got coming up with Kibosh. Okay, it's a plug, but you know, I think <laughs> it's a good one. So uh, Make a Meal in May's coming up. So I was just scheming on the way over about getting a few girlfriends over having a big kind of potluck dinner, but then just using it as a chance to uh, throw out some koha to give to Kaibosh because this is their fundraising month for all the amazing work they do. Uh, getting food that is um, not needed by supermarkets and what ha- have you out to people that really need it. So, yeah, it's one of my favourite charities in Wellington. So is it the idea that you have a potluck dinner or something and everyone donates something? Yeah, or uh, a little bit of money in that way. So because really this is their fun mate raising month. So it's still a cheap night out. You can just kind of toss a few coins or a few notes in a hat is what I do. Put a little sign on it and say, yeah, this is for Kaibosh. But so really, yeah, just a little koha. But it's a good excuse to get a few friends together or people in your workplace. Cool. Nice. And who have you got on this evening, Sadie? Well, this evening I've... Taking over both parts of the show. Um, <laughs> Radio <Dave>. Hog. <laughs> yeah. Um, just because I had a couple of people to talk to um, who are related in that they've worked on the same film. Great. Called Rock, Paper, Scissors, which is going to be showing at the Dock Edge Festival coming up soon. Um, so I've got, I've got the people who actually made that film coming in for the second half. But at the moment, I've got here Stephen Saunders, who is a sculptor and model maker Um who works for Weta Cave amongst, or Weta, I suppose, more Weta specifically, Weta Workshop, yeah. <laughs> amongst other things, I imagine. Um, just here to find out, you were involved with Rock, Paper, Scissors, but I understand that's a bit of a mystery that's not to be let out of the bag. I was. I, I, did a, I did what we would call a specialty prop for it, mm. um, which is a big part of 
well, I think it's an interesting part of how they're telling their story by using this particular thing that I made. So I make things that you wouldn't find in the real world or that looks like it's in the real world, but uh, but it's not. It's an imposter. Okay, well, it's definitely going to be something to look out for. Yeah. Um, Rock, Paper, Scissors is actually a documentary, so I was a bit surprised when I heard a model maker was working on it, but it all makes yes. sense. If you watch the film, <laughs> all will be revealed. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually going to be appearing as part of the Aotearoa um, section of Dockage, yeah. which is just lots of films about art in New Zealand, shorter films. This one's only 20 or 21 minutes. Mm. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, worth a watch. So who else do you work for, Stephen? Mm, I work predominantly for Weta Workshop. Mm -hmm. I freelance, so I've just finished a year of working on the third season of Thunderbirds Are Go, the kids' TV series. I was the uh, miniatures art director on that, so we've done three seasons of that now. Um, Yeah, now... We'll see. We'll see what comes up next. <laughs> yeah, I like to move around a little bit and do different kinds of things. So I've done a lot of miniature work over the last few years. I've done a lot of sculptural work. Uh, I've done a few of the collectibles that you'd see at the Weta Cave. I think that's why Weta Cave popped out of my yeah. mouth because <laughs> you've got quite a few little it's models the same to sail out there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well, you've made a few of the Hobbit figures and things like that, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, um, it was a it was sort of on my bucket list when I moved here uh, to do a few collectibles with them, and I've I've done a few, and I might do a few more in the future. Sounds like fun. Uh, Where did you move from? I moved here from Cape Town in South Africa. Oh, okay, when was that? That was in two thousand and ten, and I got I got that phone call from Richard Taylor that call to arms yeah. that one can't quite. Um, pass up. So I've been here ever since. Especially if that was on your bucket list. Was it beforehand? I want to make Lord of the Rings figures. Oh, (laughs) definitely wanted to work on films uh, as a priority, but then when I came over here and saw the beautiful work they've done uh, years prior on that, on Lord of the Rings figures Mm. and Hobbit figures, I uh, definitely wanted to join in and see if I can pull one or two off. Mm. So what made Weta call you up? From their side? Mm, do you think? Oh, or what was your experience I, with that? I think I bothered them enough with sending my portfolio in and staying in contact with people. Um, I had a pretty busy career in film already in Cape Town, so they they could see that I was busy and in demand and they were crewing up massively for, that, for those big three films. Um, so I was... Hope, hope, I guess I was on the forefront of their mind when they started growing up. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, how did you get into this sort of area originally? I th- I've been wanting to work in film. I think probably since I was about six years old. Mm. Uh, I had the 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 epiphany that I wanted to either work in film or make toys as a grown up, which is very strange that I've stuck to that plan. It's like the first plan that popped into my head and I just stuck with it all along. Uh, uh, both of which, those things I do. I still do it. Very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, I went to film school after after finishing high school and I've been working in film more or less the whole time with the exception of working in museum, 
work, mm. museum display work, which I love doing. Mm. It's really cool stuff. Yeah, I particularly like with museum work that uh, you're not creating things on the creative whims of a client necessarily or you're not creating a fantastical world. You're, you're delving into the real world. You're delving into real references. You can, I've worked with paleontologists particularly for a few years and that was amazing. They would come back to you and, and ask you, why did you choose to give this creature this kind of the shape of eye, like a split eye, like mm-hmm. a cat, or the color of the eye or that sort of thing? That's all based on strong scientific um, suggestion. Right. That's really good well, stuff. Well, would you do that research yourself or would you be given a kind of brief? It's... Uh, well, when I did museum work, it was very much a case of they bring us, they brought the brief to me, and that was very specific the things they wanted to show, and I would try and bring a little bit of that cinematic flair of putting some character into those creatures or into those environments. Yeah, I uh, I missed out on a few of the really cool stuff that Weta did for museum work, the stuff they did for Tapapa. Um, because I was on other film projects at the time, but I'd hope to have a go at one of those like that. The Bugs exhibition they did, mm. that was really cool. Yeah. Yes. Would have loved to be involved in it, but they did beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess you would be kind of thinking up new techniques all the time, like it wouldn't just be one size fits all when it comes to this sort of work. Oh, yeah. I, I almost think it's not necessarily so much about what you do as a skill base, whether you're a sculptor or a painter or a designer, uh, all of those factor into the final product. But the big thing is being able to make decisive, sometimes ill-advised decisions really quickly on the fly and be really good at problem-solving quickly. So, yeah, there's a lot of innovation. Sometimes you're innovating when there's already an established way of doing something, but you're still used to innovating. Um, but yeah, different different approaches, especially with pop culture when you're trying to present your presenting something new and interesting or uh, appealing to an audience, you can't fall back too much on what you've done before. There has to be an element of something new every time. Right. Do you yeah. think some of the new technologies, I mean, how are they affecting you, things like 3D scanners and that sort of thing? Maybe that's not new to you. I've been having this discussion a lot because uh, on uh, the Blade Runner sequel, uh, Blade Runner 2049, we did practical miniatures, so miniature cityscapes that we shot here at Avalon Studios in Wellington. Um, And that that is a technique that was used in the film industry very extensively until about maybe 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and now it's all but, all but died away. So it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a lost art. But we're still doing it and we're getting a lot of really great projects, especially now with Blade Runner and with the last few seasons of Thunderbirds, where we've done a lot of that work. Uh, but we're not doing that work... I don't think there's a competition between the digital side, the digital work. Weta Digital does a lot of environments that would have been miniatures in the past. They do it so well that you couldn't tell the difference. Uh, it's just a case of what the, what the filmmaker decides to use as a tool. 
I think all of these digital technologies, I'm embracing a lot of that. At the moment, teaching myself ZBrush, which is a digital sculpting mm-hmm. um, program. It just gives you more options. You've just got a bigger toolbox to play with, with uh, new innovations, new technologies. Right, so you're not necessarily too bothered what medium you're using, so long as you're sculpting and creating. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty traditional... Um, sculptor and model maker so I'd always prefer doing it for real but um, you have to find a a happy medium I think that's a big part of what drew me to Weta initially was that especially on those Lord of the Rings films they seem to have a really good balance of knowing when a character or an environment is digital and when it is practical like a really good blend that I haven't up to that point seen done very much in big films like that, big projects in general. So, right. Uh, what are the factors in that decision, whether to go digital or uh, analogue, <laughs> real? Oh, I can go on about that forever. <laughs> I, I, think it's, I think it's that innovation that comes in again. It, sure. um, it's the filmmaker's uh, prerogative, which way they want to go. Uh, on, on Thunderbirds, we went with practical models mm. because of the um, legacy of models in that particular brand with Jerry Anderson's original show from the 60s and all of his other shows using real miniatures and real um, vehicles and puppets in camera. Well, we didn't use puppets, but we did the environment still so that there's a connection to that. Mm, I guess you're not always going for total realism. Sometimes you want that sort of model No, look. Not, on, not on Thunderbirds particularly. Yeah. We want it to be really good and really visually appealing models, but yeah. not necessarily real because the characters certainly don't look real. Yeah. So you want the environment to have a little, uh, little bit of a stylistic sense in it. Hopefully we had a good balance where it's you could see how... At moments, it could almost be real, but it's still accessible to kids that they can see there looking at a model-made sandpit world. Mm. Um, and then the decision to use models on the Blade Runner sequel was very much from the filmmakers wanting, again, to pay homage to the original film, which had beautiful miniatures in it, uh, and just use that for at least a little bit of the film or setting a bit of a style for the film because a lot of shots were still in the end CG. I think we did like, I would say, 5% of the film's visual effect shots we did as miniatures and the rest were all CG. Right. Um, any, Any of those projects could have been done entirely in CG, but their choice of using practical models just meant that they had access to a bigger creative pool to draw from to make their film. In terms of people and brains? Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So you actually won an award for Blade Runner, didn't you? We did. What uh, was that? Uh, me and a, f- a few of my colleagues won an award for from the Visual Effects Society, and the award was... Uh, for an outstanding model used in a photoreal or animated project. Right. Now, we thought 
that that would be a physical model, but ours turned out to be the only physical model used. All the other nominees had digital assets. Ah, interesting um, that you would win then out of that field. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a strange thing. No, it's <laughs> it's great. Thank you. Uh, it's it's very much an award that we won uh, that represents the work of many, many people. It's an unfortunate thing almost that four names have to be singled out when really there's such a group, big group, mm-hmm. uh, Wellington-based, specifically Wellington-based groups that we worked with, fantastic talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you start with... Whenever you've, you're given a project, would you start with a giant brainstorm kind of thing? Or do you generally get given quite a solid brief at the start of something like that? I feel like a project like that, you'd start with a, with a really robust script breakdown and a quote more than anything else. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> but more often than not, the, character, the client would come to us immediately with already more or less an idea of what they need. So we'll just quote that up and figure out how we would do it. Mm. How did you get involved with rock, paper, scissors? Ah, um, my my partner is a mutual friend of theirs. Or oh, how does mutual friend work? Confuse myself. <laughs> of Anthony um, and Simon. Uh, Anthony and Simon are yeah. friends of hers. And uh, I heard these stories about this crazy film that they're making and the more she told me the stories, they're just such good stories in the telling that I felt like I wanted to get in touch with them and see. I don't know, maybe they got in touch with me first, but I certainly got a sense that they're doing something really cool. When we work on I work on a lot of film projects, but it's very rare that you can work on something so fun but also so... Local. It's a story about people right here where we live, and that doesn't happen very much. Mm. Maybe it just doesn't happen very much to me because I'm more in the service side of the industry that works on bigger things, more fantastical things. I'd love to see more of that local filmmaking about the place we live and the people we live around really appealing to me. Mm. Of course, the stuff I do doesn't always necessarily end up in a documentary, you know, like hobbits and <laughs> dinosaurs and things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I made hobbits or dinosaurs for their thing. <laughs> Could be interesting. Um, just to do our sting again, this is B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM, and I'm just talking to Stephen Saunders um, about his work in film, doing sculptural work and models. So at the moment, are you, what are you working on? Are you still working with Weta? I don't think I can talk about what I'm working oh, on. Oh, of course. Ooh. The cone of silence. I can talk about things I have worked on, but I can almost never talk <laughs> about what I am working on. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, oh, dear. Oh, well, yeah. never mind. <laughs> What's been a highlight for you so far of the work you've done? Hmm. We've already talked about Blade Runner. Blade Runner was pretty exceptional. It was uh, it was very much a legacy project. So mm. it's it's revisiting something that had set a really high bar for what we do in the film industry. So Were you a re- fan already of the yeah. film? Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, similarly, Thunderbirds was an opportunity to revisit a much loved. Uh, brand or story and and give that another go. 
that was really cool. It's just that the creative community here is is remarkably versatile. There's so much going on. Is it different? Do you feel that it's different here in Wellington than it was in Cape Town? Oh, I wouldn't want to draw a comparison, but <laughs> um, I think I'm so specialised. I I almost need to work on projects that require a lot of world building, a lot of fantastical new characters and environments and design, uh, which means that there's not an awful lot for me to do on most films that are made. It's pretty specific, and Wellington's simply a place that, because of the excellence of the work done here, uh, that work is drawn specifically here. So clients come out here looking for that kind of work to be done. Um, the kind of work that I like to be involved in. I have to say, I have to say that uh, in Cape Town, it just my my career took me other places, but they're doing exceptionally cool stuff there as well. Um, locally and internationally, they do a lot of really big stuff. Um, trying to think what uh, if I was still there, I would almost certainly have ended up working on the Dread Judge Dread film, okay. which was which was really wonderfully made. Um, what else have they recently done? I think they did the latest Tomb Raider film there as well. So big stuff, yeah, they do cool stuff. Yeah. Mm. But do you think Wellington's where you're going to hang around for a while? I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying to stay here <laughs> as much as I can. Yeah. It's, uh, I almost don't really have to go and look for work too much. It does tend to circle back around and come back this way. When we were at the VES, so this was, um, I think, about two months ago in L.A., it was a big reception with lots of people working in the industry, and there were so many New Zealanders there. It was it was a little surprising. I guess we should have known because uh, Weta Digital is huge in the industry, but there was a lot of New Zealanders at that place. So there's definitely a, a very strong... Uh, New Zealand representation internationally in the industry. Mm. So it's a good place to be. And also, it's a good era, isn't it? Um, the geeks have taken over the world and there's a lot of fantasy sort of stuff yeah. <laughs> coming up. <laughs> I mean, w- while, I'm, while, while I'm talking about Weta Digital, uh, we've done the last two projects at Avalon Studios in um, Lower Hut. I always think it's sort of Middle Hut. Right, because you've got an upper hut and a lower hut. It, it is more middle mm. hut. Yeah. I concur. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Avalon Studios out there. We I went to go and visit that the first time when we were looking at doing Blade Runner out there, and I had the impression I got was that it was maybe a little abandoned, maybe a little lost in the past. But this place was fantastic. I mean, it's a little retro. It's definitely got that seventies <laughs> vibe to it. Uh, but it's fully functional, beautiful studios, beautiful right. setup. Uh, we did. We decided to do season three of Thunderbirds there as well because it was so enjoyable to work there. It's um, great to hear. Yeah, and it's yes. it's Old it's a bustling, yeah. bustling, busy place. It's right. actually picked up quite a bit oh, over the last few years. Um, a few of my colleagues from. Uh, both Thunderbirds and Blade Runner have stayed behind and they've started their own shop there. So we've essentially kept a little bit of floor space there and they're doing 
they were con- continue doing film work and all sorts of odd jobs and things from there. It's just a beautiful, beautiful mm. filmmaking facility. I hope it. I hope it does really well. Good. Sounds really exciting. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks heaps for coming and talking to us. It was really interesting, actually. And yeah, cool. Um, I'm sure everybody's really keen now to go and see Rock Paper Scissors and find out what the yeah. What did he do? What did he do? Where's Where's the model dinosaur? <laughs> no, there are no. I can guarantee there are no dinosaurs in it. <laughs> Cool, thanks. That was Stephen Saunders. Shall we, we have a little bit of um, black minalush? Yeah, let's do that. Great. Just to see us out. Come on, baby, let's go out tonight. Come on, baby, let's go outside. Time will That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.